welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs parted ways with Wilson Contreras after he rejected a qualifying offer home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you find us and you like the show, leave a five-star review and a rating so that other people can find the show too. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, Wilson Contreras, one last time, and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by my co-host and podcast partner in crime, Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, it's been summer here in Chicago, despite it being Veterans Day. Um, thank you to all you veterans out there. Um, but today it actually it got November-ish. <laughs> so I, I don't mind it at all. I, everything's going well. I'm leaving for Mexico soon. I'm excited. I'm going to get married. I can't, I can't complain. My life's going pretty well. Congratulations on the nuptials, by the way. I am bummed that I will not be in town when you all have your reception here in Chicago, but I make I promise I will make it up to you and Nicole. You have to let me take you out to dinner at some point when I get back from Utah. You can take me out to dinner anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> cool deal. Um, well, let's just jump right into it. I mean, it's been a little bit since we recorded. I was at First Pitch Arizona down at the Arizona Fall League watching some Cubs prospects, and I'm, I'm going to talk more about that in a second. But before we do, the Astros won the World Series. Five people in Houston are excited about that. I don't know, man. Jordan Alvarez is a really good player. This Jeremy Pena kid seems legit. I totally understand why they didn't sign Carlos Correa to millions and millions of dollars. And also, I really miss Kyle Schwarber. He hits bombs, and he kept hitting bombs, and... Now he's going to hit bombs as a Philly for the rest of his career. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit tuned out towards the end of it because I saw the wind go out of Philadelphia's sail and I was like, well, that's it. I've watched enough baseball to know when the team is licked. And after when we got to the final game, I knew that the Phillies weren't going to win. I knew they weren't going to win that night. And so I kind of just watched it on um, at bat, played games with my neighbor, Don, <laughs> and uh just and I knew I didn't want to watch it because I knew it was going to happen. You know, they're back in Houston. I I just saw the wind go out of Philly's sails, but they made it really far for a team that I mean they had the guns to get it that far, but they didn't play like that all season. Let's remind everybody that the Cubs swept them. Um, but it was an exciting. It, it was not really a Cinderella story because they just should have been better that whole time. Um, it wasn't like a regs to riches thing, but the fact that they kind of limped in and then made it all the way to the world series goes to show you that any team that gets hot at the right time, if you got a bite at the apple, um, shows that, well, basically you don't have to compete in the regular season that much. <laughs> right. Just <laughs> get yourself, matter. get yourself 85 wins at a wild card spot and see what happens. Yeah. So why not just, I mean, now you have to play the extra series, which is going to tax your pitcher after playing 162 games. Um, your pitchers are going to be pretty beat up. Well, your whole team's going to be beat up. Um, and you add an extra three game series to that. It's not, I guess not that much, but it makes could make a difference, especially how you set up the pitching and who's tired and available to go against the teams that get the buys. I mean, it, it was an interesting offseason because it's the first one we saw like this. And um, yeah, I, I miss Kyle, too. I'm with you. It was fun to see him. Um, you know, I I don't know. He's the only guy that can make me like the Phillies. 
<laughs> you know, anywhere he goes, I'll just like that team. I, except for maybe the Cardinals, that'd be hard. But I'm, we're all have to deal with that with Wilson Contreras anyway this next year. So we're just be used to it. When Wilson's down there wearing Cardinal red. Well, let's talk about Wilson Contreras for a second. I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he's going to the Cardinals. I think there's a handful of teams that will be interested in Wilson Contreras, who was extended a qualifying offer by the Chicago Cubs. He rejected that qualifying offer, so he is a free agent. I have is a it piece. official? Yeah, I think it's official. Why, why would he do that then? What do you mean, why would he sense. do that? Why would he reject the qualifying offer? Because he's going to make a lot more money without the qualifying offer? Sure, but why would he just reject it without spending his time to go see what else is out there. Well, I think they have a deadline to reject them. Like, I don't think they get like weeks and weeks to, and if I'm, if I'm correct about this, I think they have to make their decision on the qualifying offer before they can start negotiating. Okay. Like, I think the timeline is set so that there's not like a, you, you don't get to like test the market and then go back and take the qualifying offer. The people are saying that you can. So, I, I mean, it's, some of this stuff gets a little muddy. I mean, plus the agents are already talking like they're at the GM meetings and they're already talking to Sanga's agent. And yeah, uh, but that's that's why I that's think there's a timeline but... here. There's like a five day cooling off period or something between the end of the World Series because it was uh, Mooney and. Sahadev have a piece out on the athletic today it's friday the 11th and they're talking about one of the notes in there i can't find it at the moment of course because i am talking about it live but the um there was a note in there about how they couldn't start talking about potential deals until thursday of the gm meetings because of that five-day cooling off period and when it fell um and so i'm sure they are but like they aren't you know what i mean like it's not official or anything but i'll say this if i'm wilson contreras one of the reasons i feel pretty comfortable rejecting the qualifying offer is that P- jeff passan leaked that the cubs thought they had a deal to send wilson contreras to the astros straight up for three years of jose or that is a huge haul that would have been a great deal for wilson contreras um now obviously they didn't wind up doing that they wound up sending sending two very low level prospects to the Red Sox for Christian Vasquez instead. And I totally understand why the Astros pounced on that rather than parting with Urquidy, who is a, you know, probably fourth, fifth starter like type. Um, another, another fourth, fifth starter type for the Cubs, right? How yeah. many of them can they have? But um, three we years of him is, is pretty interesting. Um, and that tells me that the Astros will likely be in on Wilson Contreras, even with the qualifying offer. And the compensatory round attached. I think the Red Sox might be in a similar boat. And yes, the St. Louis Cardinals are absolutely in need of a catcher. And Wilson Contreras would be, he's going to troll Cubs fans forever if he signs with the Cardinals. And I'm going to both love and hate it because I I love Wilson and I hate the Cardinals. Yeah, it's, I mean, he does really match up well. And that is the unfortunate truth of the situation. But um, yeah, the Urquidy would have been, is that how you say it? Urquidy? Yeah. it's that would have been nice. That would have been a great uh, return. He's pretty decent starter, but yeah, like you said, he's like back end. Like we don't really need that. But then that's depth. And I found it interesting that it was the Astros owner that nixed the deal. Or I guess Baker didn't want it either. Um, it's like the front office wanted it. The the GM president of baseball operation James Click, like that part of the organization wanted it. Uh, the owner himself and Dusty Baker were kind of like, whoa, we, what are we going to do? Like, so he, Martin Maldonado has to play. Like, Wilson's going to be here and he's not going to get enough of bats. And and 
honestly, like, okay, I, I guess thank you, Dusty, for looking out for Wilson. I, I, they, I, I don't know, man. I. You don't think you just wanted to keep Burkitty? I They might have also just wanted to keep Burkitty. But the fact that the front office thought that that was a reasonable trade tells me there's more of a market for Wilson than people were led to believe, given how the trade deadline went down. Yeah, I mean, I mean but then to, it also was the reason it was interesting is because of that chain of command there that the owner could nix a trade. I'm like, because <laughs> that's like the equivalent. Tom Ricketts calling down. He's like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. And I'm like, I don't think that's what's going on. At least that's I've been led to believe that there is a sort of a hands-off approach from Ricketts. He just hires the best guys. And, yeah, uh, I best guys. Yeah. They, well, they think they are. Anyway. Let's talk about what these best guys need to do. So Brett Taylor over at Bleacher Nation, actually, this might have been from the official Bleacher Nation account. I don't think it was from Brett's uh, personal account, had a tweet yesterday or the day before that said something like, a successful offseason for the Cubs has to include them signing one of the four top shortstops and and the top shortstops on the market just for people to um know who he was referencing there are i believe trey turner carlos correa xander bogarts and dansby swanson right like those are the guys that are generally considered the four big shortstop prospects that are out there i look at this wait wait wait, wait one more andrelton simmons <laughs> absolutely dude if they ever do that again i i called the andrelton simmons thing last year and i wish i'd been wrong that was pathetic um the I look at that tweet and I'm like, ah, I don't think it's a successful offseason if the Cubs just get one shortstop. Like if they just got one of those guys, like I, that wouldn't do it. You need a shortstop or a second baseman if you're going to keep Nico at short. You need a center fielder. You need a catcher. You probably need a first baseman in case anything happens to Mervis. And like Mervis is not the guy that everybody thinks he is. Although I'll tell you, I just came back from the Arizona Fall League and I think Mervis is the guy. Like I'm, I'm very impressed with that. Mervis, but we'll get to that a little bit farther down on the rundown and they probably need a starting pitcher. And I am horrified that they do not appear to be looking at like the Carlos Rodon's or Jacob deGrom's of the world. They're, they're much more focused on Martin Perez who literally is like every other pitcher they have. It's like Martin Perez is a slightly worse version of Marcus Stroman with a worse track record who like career 4.16 ERA high ground ball rate. Like he had one good season in Texas and the Cubs were like, yes, let's pounce on Martin Perez. And I'm just like, if Martin Perez winds up being the dude, I am going to be so beyond frustrated. Like at least get Chris Bassett, like at least get a guy who has been better than Martin Perez. Yeah. Cause Bassett, he what opted out. I thought Bassett was just a free agent. Oh, he was. Okay. Mm -hmm. Rodon opted out. Yeah. Rodon opted out. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, there's not, we talked about this on the show before that there's not a, a whole lot of, I mean, there's 30 teams looking for pitching, you know, that they're, they're all looking for pitching. So the price could get out of hand on the few good pitchers that are available, like top end, like a Rodon, because it's, he's like the only one, it's just not a great year for it. Um, DeGrom opting out. Sure. But you got to worry about the injury thing. I mean, everybody, everybody's saying the same thing, all fans, and podcasts and blogs about all 30 teams. They're all want the same players for their team. Some teams, it makes sense for some teams already have some depth, um, but there's going to be, the Cubs should be in on all this stuff, but I swear to God, they're always, uh, and you said it right before we went live that why are they always bargain basement shopping? Always. They act like they're the Tampa Bay Rays. They are the, they, the Tampa Bay Rays are aspirational. 
for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, pretty soon they're going to have as many fans as the Rays if they keep up like this. Because, you know, here's the here's the other thing that they're not doing is they're already telling everybody we're not going more than five years. Well, guess what? Somebody else is going to go longer. Look at what Bryce Harper just did in the World Series and all through those plays. He carried that team. He led them. And that's what that's why you sign a guy for 13 years. He wants to lock himself up. That money is guaranteed. He's just going to be in Philadelphia, like doing his thing as much as he can. He got injured a little bit, but you know, that's frustrating when you pay a guy a lot, but he's there doing it. And so maybe you just, just take a chance and be like, I know they're, you know, sad about the Hayward thing and how that turned out, but I don't care. That's in the past. You might have to go spend Carlos Correa is what? 27, 28. Get him. Just get him 10 years. He's you move him to third. Now somebody said that he's got bad defense now or something. So well, he has worse defense than Nico Horner. I mean, I was just on the Rotowire podcast with James Anderson talking about the Cubs because, as he puts it, the Cubs are a flawed and interesting team, which is one hundred percent right. Like top yeah. to bottom, the Cubs are a flawed and interesting team. But um, you know, the second best defensive shortstop in baseball by outs above average was Nico Horner. The first yeah, best shortstop by outs above average was Dansby Swanson. And and let me do you one better here. Like Dansby Swanson is really good to his right. Like he, most of his outs above average came on place to the right. He was actually a negative two outs above average guy to his left. Uh, Nico Horner is equally distributed there. So he had fewer overall outs above average, but they were equally distributed right and left. Like he might just have a better range. I mean, why are you going to sign a Carlos Correa or a Xander Bogarts to play worse defensive shortstop for you for millions upon millions of dollars while you move Nico Horner to second base and create a hole at short. Well, because you need a better second baseman now too, with the shift, you need two shortstops um, on either side of the base to get to as many balls as you possibly can get to, because that's the name of the game. Now you got to be fast. You got to be well positioned and you have to be able to cover more ground because you're not going to be able to stand right there where the ball is, where you think it's going to be hit. Um, so that's off. And that's going to be a huge difference next year and really interesting to watch. But it means you're going to need better better players up the middle there on both sides of it. So even if you do, I mean, <laughs> seriously, if if Nico, if they value his shortstop being that's not the right way to say it. Shortstopping uh, so much is playing of shortstop. If they value that so much, they could leave him there. And um, if they think that the range is better on somebody like Correa, like you at second, put him at second. I don't know. Like maybe that Correa's not signing here to play second base, though. You know, he's not going to sign anywhere and be like, all right, you're a second baseman. But it's kind of like when the Cubs had um, uh, Baez. At this, and they had him at second because they had Russell at short at that time. Now, a lot of people disagreed with that at the time, including me. <laughs> so, and you, as you point like, to I yourself, am also, I'm also disagreeing with that uh, pretty strongly. I mean, you're right that you need, having, you need, you yeah. need a second baseman who has a great, great range. I just think that we're going to be in a situation where like Nico would be a better defender than Carlos Correa or Xander Bogarts at shortstop. And I'm not saying that like Xander or Carlos Correa should play second for the Cubs, but third, maybe like they both have strong arms and then they don't have to range so much up the middle. Like I, I maybe Christopher Morrell 
at second and Nico at short and you put your new shiny short shortstop toy at third. Um, sorry, Patrick wisdom, like, but you know, you hit two eleven and you strike out 38% of the time. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it really is just, and even with all that and I mean, are you going to now value a shortstop more defensively than offensively? Well, I think you need to do both. And particularly for the Cubs, like every look at this rotation. Kyle Hendricks, Marcus Stroman, yeah. Hayden Wisniewski, Justin Steele, potentially one of Javier Assad, Keegan Thompson, Adrian Sampson, Caleb Killian, if he gets ready. Martin Perez is the name that the Cubs are talking to in I all you know what all these guys have in common? Most of them are contact pitchers. Yeah. The vast majority of them are not strikeout guys. Maybe Wisniewski becomes a strikeout guy. Maybe Steele becomes a strikeout guy. Every other guy on that list is pitching to contact. And if you're pitching to contact and you don't have good defense, you have a problem. Yeah. You need actually about four or five shortstops. All playing all the positions. I mean, that was Jed Hoyer's return for like all the all the trades he made. He's like, let's get another shortstop. Let's get another center fielder. Makes, and let's get another shortstop. Yeah, shortstops and center fielders. I mean, they're just involved in the most, and um, it's pretty valuable when you've got great defense at those positions. But if you can move those guys around, like you know, when Javi was on the team, he was the he was the team's best shortstop. He was the team's best second baseman. And he was the team's best third baseman as well. Like it, he could have played any of those positions re- incredibly. And uh, so you put him at shortstop because that's what you need in that moment. But um, yeah, I, I, I do, as getting back to Brett's tweet um, or Bleacher Nation's tweet about it not being a successful offseason if you don't get one of these shortstop, I could see that that it would be true, um, especially from well, pretty much every standpoint to <laughs> the offense and the defense, but you still need more than this. Totally. And this is what I want to get into here. So uh, I'm going to jump down a little bit because Sahadev and uh, Mooney have a piece out um, this morning talking about free agent stuff. And I, and while we're talking about free agents, let's just do all of it once we can finish up with the fall league at the end of the show. But the, you know, center field, for example, the best available center fielder on the free agent market is Brandon Nimmo. According to Zahadov and Mooney, the Cubs aren't in on Nimmo. They don't want to deal with Boris Corp at all. And so they're just not going to do that. But they are in on Kiermaier. And it's like, I am just so sick of the Cubs always targeting like the second tier. I, I don't understand this. Not it, not in on Xander, in on Swanson. Not in on Nimmo, in on Kiermaier. Like, not in on Rizzo, in on Abreu. Like, I just, what is this? Like, I, Danny, why are we... Why is the Cubs front office behaving like they are the Miami Marlins? Yeah. I mean, we're just going to end up in third over and over again this way. Right. I mean, I, I get it. Like the value doesn't always align to exactly at the top of the market, but I, I also just sometimes think that they're trying to be too clever by half. They're so worried about getting hosed on like a DeGrom or Rodon deal with injury concerns or something that they just won't eat. They won't even consider that as an option, they're going to try to convince us that like Taiwan Walker is the option. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't mind having Taiwan Walker. I've kind of always liked him. I don't know uh, how he's looking. He opted out. Is he one of those guys that I'm pretty sure these guys are all just free agents. You keep saying they opted out, but like the only opt outs I recall are Rizzo opted out. 
Uh, Xander Bogarts opted out. Clayton Kershaw opted out, although the Dodgers have already signed him to a one-year deal, so they wasted no time to make sure that they kept him in New York. Everybody else just became a free agent, to my mind. Like, DeGrom just became a free agent. Uh, Walker just became a free agent. Bassett just became a free agent. Dansby Swanson just became a free agent. Correa opted out. Um, No, it was. He did opt out. He's had a $6 million player option. Walker had an option? Yeah, oh, for 2023. Okay, well, he's going to make more than $6 million. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, well, that's why he opted out. But so, I would like Taiwan Walker more than Martin Perez. At least I've seen Taiwan Walker like put up a 3.5 ERA for multiple seasons. Like, Mar- Go look at Martin Perez's page on Fangraphs. It's like 4.6, 4.5, 4.12, 4.5, 2.86. There's like a one outlier year at with the Rangers, and it is built entirely on him collapsing his home run rate and boosting his ground ball rate, and I just do not see anything in his pitch makeup or anything that makes that look sustainable. It's like he threw a bunch of, a lot more sinkers. Those sinkers are not going to play well at Wrigley field. They play differently in, you know, that big box dome situation they've got over there in Texas. than they will play at Wrigley when things go, when, when the wind is blowing out, you know what I mean? Well, uh, Taiwan Walker uh, and Chris Bassett both ended up in New York, uh, the Mets at the end of last year. Both have ERAs around the same in the mid threes. I mean, it, yeah, you take any of that, but it's, but yeah, it's not going for the top guy. But once again, like Degrom or Rodon, you might get an ace, but you also, you know, might get a clunker. You might get a lemon there, and you just end up on the the IL, and you don't get anything then. So, um, the, I really am interested as far as the pitching goes in the Sanga. And we've been connected to him hardcore. And I don't know if it, it just seems to me like it's less, it seems more uh, reasonable and it's like not just noise because um, say a Suzuki's out there trying to bring him in. So uh, we already have a Japanese player who just got here. He likes his time here. The Cubs are in a position to, uh, it's a big market. The Cubs are in a position to uh, call him their ace. Um, so, uh, and he would be. He'd come in as the ace. Uh, now, maybe that's too much pressure for him. But um, anyway, I, 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 that's who I've got my heart sang- set on is Senga. I mean, I'm with you. I like Senga as an option. I'm very intrigued by Senga. I think that Senga could be a great addition to this Cubs team. I also like the idea of Seiya trying to bring him in. And, you know, I like the idea of Seiya having a friend. Like, I think it's important to have, like, like not that he doesn't have friends in the Cubs clubhouse now, but it's nice to know have people around who, like, know where you come from and, like, understand the same thing you're going through. It would be really great for Senga's transition to have some a guy like Seiya right there that he could talk to. That said... I'm also just like, I I am just not thrilled with the Cubs being this team that's just out on every elite free agent. Like, I want the possibility that they would go after a Trey Turner. Like, I think Trey Turner is the best shortstop available. I don't think it's particularly close. I think he's the best hitting shortstop available. I think he's a great fielder. I think he runs. I think he hits to all fields. I think he hits for power. I think he can lead off for the Cubs, which, dear God, wouldn't it be cool if the Cubs had a leadoff hitter? Again, that would be amazing. They haven't had a leadoff hitter since Dexter Fowler. It would be very cool if it was Trey Turner. And I just see them as being, they have just decided they're never going to be in 
at the price point that a guy like Trey Turner is going to command. And I just, I hate that. You are a major market team. Like, act like it. Yeah, and it's not even the price. It's the years that they're scared of. Right. And that that's what doesn't make sense to me. It's because, you know, the not uh, there's a lot of money coming off the books this year. But wait till next year. And the year after that, there's nothing. I mean, you, you get down and there's like nobody on the books. I mean, you, you might have who is even going to hit arbitration of this group? I mean, we don't. I, I mean, I Nico. Yeah, Nico. And, half uh, in it. Half's already in it. But who knows Patrick what they're going to do Wisdom with will hit arbitration in two years. They I don't think. care. But then it, the moment but he like, hits. Pa- but Patrick five. Wisdom's arbitration is going to be like, okay, we have to pay you $2 million. Instead yeah, of like and, and he's going to be pushing 40, you know, and I'm mean, not 40, but, you know, mid 30s, though. I mean, these who. So it's not like they're like the old core where all of a sudden they had all these arbitration raises and they had to make some decisions. They didn't have to, but they, they did. And I mean, and back in the day they paid Chris Bryant more than they even had to. Right. Just cause right. they're like, we love you, Chris. Here's a million dollars. You know, they didn't even have to do it. Right. And, and they did it. So they're just throwing money around, uh, five years ago that they are certainly not doing now. Now they're, going all the way to Japan and like, I'm fine with that. I think that could work out great. There's a lot of Japanese players that are incredible and should, and if we can get them playing in the major leagues, this guy, I read uh, Sanga, he's been trying to get posted the entire time he played for the SoftBank Hawks, the entire time. And they don't believe in it. They won't, they don't post anybody. They don't believe in the system. They don't like it. So he never got posted. Now, I guess, the rules say he can just go. Maybe it's just contract is over with them. But um, yeah, he's been trying to come here this entire time. So he wants to be here. Um, so maybe, yeah. And having Saya, that could be a great in. Um, but yeah, the I don't know. I don't know. Although I hear Darvish is trying to recruit Sanga too. And it is worth saying that like Darvish basically recruited Saya to the Cubs. So yeah. That's, so yeah. Everybody I don't know just, how that works. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it works either. But let's, it's- uh, let's take a quick break. We're we're up okay. against a break, and then on the flip side, we'll talk about some other places where the Cubs could make upgrades uh, this off season. First base, they could use a left some lefty power a catcher. Uh, they're going to need to replace Wilson Contreras, even though he's irreplaceable on this catcher market. Good job, you played yourself. But first, a quick break from our sponsors. All right, uh, we're back. So the first base situation. I got to say, I saw Matt Mervis in person at the Arizona Fall League. He was the MVP of the Fall Stars game. Danny, he looks so legit. The power stroke is just real. And my favorite thing that happened, I've not looked at his Fall Stars stats since I um, came home. But, you know, there was a point where he had 55 plate appearances in the fall league, he had six home runs and six strikeouts. That is what Matt Mervis is doing in the Arizona fall league. If you've not checked this out already, you definitely need to in the fall stars game. He comes up with a runner on second. Uh, They change pitchers to this like Tampa Bay sidearm, like weird throwing angle dude. And I was really intrigued by this because one of the things that people have been saying about Mervis is that he might have a hole in his swing or like that might be, he might struggle a little bit against like some of these funky deliveries or whatever. So I'm like, all right, here's a guy with a funky delivery. Let's see what happened. Looked at two pitches and then set one over the wall, like just a no doubt opposite field over the wall home run for Matt Mervis. 
I have a hunch he's the first baseman, but I understand why the Cubs are looking to add some depth there, which is why they've been linked to Jose Abreu, Trey Mancini, and Josh Bell. What are you thinking of this Matt Mervis situation? Yeah, I, I, and also he's young, and he is going to struggle, and that's just how it's going to be. That's how young players are. I mean, he's not he's not coming up like Chris Bryant. Like, could he win, come up and win Rookie of the Year? Absolutely. But does he come with that kind of pedigree and – of the guy who won like college player of the year and all this stuff. No, he doesn't. So it, you can expect that he'll struggle was last year a fluke. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to find that out and we'll have to find it out at the major league level. But th- what they should do is help him out and give him a guy to platoon with like a Brayu. you know, Brayu's on the back end of his career. He's not going to probably cost a lot, but he can still mash. He could still hit and he's still going to cost you something. Um, I like the idea of Josh Bell, who's younger, same thing. Um, I, I like that platoon. I like the idea of a platoon over at first. I mean, I'd rather they have, would have just locked up Anthony Rizzo and like he just blocks everybody forever and you trade Matt Mervis for some starting pitching. But um, I, but I don't know. I, I, I like the platoon. If you're going to platoon, if you're going to have to do it this way, platoon that situation. What do you think? I mean, I don't want to platoon for Mervis because I honestly think Mervis will be just fine. But I do like the idea of a backup who could potentially be your DH. I mean, you'll no longer it's, have yeah. like Wilson Contreras trying to take some of those DH at bats or whatever. Um, it's just not going to be a, a, that's not going to be a thing. I mean, I suppose they could need to rest Jan Gomes because he's a worse catcher than Wilson Contreras uh, offensively. And, and he'll need some rest here or there. I think that it's. I don't hate the idea of like a one or two year contract for Abreu to back up Mervis and be like a mentor type person or anything like that. I, I like Abreu a lot. I think that I, I don't see Josh Bell taking his one bite at the free agency Apple and signing for like two years, but high value. Like I just, I don't, I don't see Trey Mancini doing that either. I think what the Cubs are asking guys to do with these short term high AAV contracts is honestly why would a player do that? That's bad for the player unless you know that you're going to be worth, like, unless you're planning on opting out after one year like Correa did with the Twins. Well, and the defense for Josh Bell is going to, I don't, he's not known for that. I mean, they, they've they had him around in the outfield as well. Um, uh, Not as much, of course, but um, I, he's never got any gold glove votes. You know, I'm just saying he's not known for, his defense. I, I don't know about Mervis's D. De- I mean, what, how's Abreu's defense? He's well, like, Abreu's defense is not very good anymore. Cause he, he's, yeah. Cause he's, he's older too. Yeah. He's like, I think he's 34 or 35. I, I, Abreu would be very much like a, this guy is going to DH most of the time, but he can play some first if you need him to, when Mervis is struggling type of thing. Yeah. Um, if Just, Mervis struggles, I mean, I don't, I, the, the guy, the people who, seem to believe Mervis is going to struggle or all the people who think that his swing plane is too low and he's going to struggle against a high fastball at the major league levels. uh, And he's just not going to be able to catch up to 98 at the top of the zone. And I just, there's no way to know that until you see him against that type of pitching. Like there's no way to know if he's going to struggle against that or not. Yeah, no. And you just got to try it out, but it depends if, what are you going to do if it doesn't work? Like, what are you going to, what do you, I mean, what do you, do the Cubs have a plan B? And I think that's the idea. It's like, if Merv, if you don't do anything, you don't get somebody to platoon with Mervis, 
And then I, I, I don't want to call it a platoon. I, I really I think we need to not call it a platoon because the idea is not that like Mervis can't hit lefties or something. This right. Is not, yeah, exactly. That's not, the, that's not the concern. Matt Mervis's numbers, his splits against righties and lefties look just fine. It's more of like a backup plan in case the, he's struggling at some point in time. But also, I hate that, too, because that's what they did with Christopher Morell last year. You don't work your way out of a slump because you can't hit a certain type of pitch by sitting on the bench watching other guys hit that pitch. Like, you have to work through it, right? This is why Christopher Morrell should not have been sitting for Zach McKinstry. He should have been seeing more breaking and off-speed stuff so that he could catch up to it sooner when he becomes part of the Cubs' everyday situation. But at the same time, it seems like Zach McKinstry they're high on and nobody else is. And he did a little bit better at the end of last year. But it's but in all and the Dodgers people were like, Yeah, he's got some tools. And I'm like, where? I I don't so I don't know where they're gonna go with it because all the depth is pretty mediocre. So if you start upgrading some of the depth, the depth and Josh Bell, yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna sign somewhere to be a a platoon either. You know, he's he's not gonna do that. Abreu might. Because he would be more of a DH. I mean, does Josh Bell want to play? I mean, he DHs too. Uh, I mean, between all those guys, I would take Abreu. He's already from Chicago. And I know it's you're not not from Chicago, but you know, know he's you from he played with the White Sox. Yeah. But he has great splits at Wrigley Field. It's one of the best places he plays. The fan base already knows him. Um, you're, you're taking a cub killer off of a team that we play. <laughs> so that is good. Um, I don't know. It's, it, I like that move. I think a little veteran know-how on the team helps out. Um, so it not necessarily as a platoon, but you got the DH. Does he play yeah. something else? No, first base and DH only. I mean, that's part of why he has to be, uh, that's part of why he would make sense with the Cubs and he's not coming back to the White Sox. They have so many guys who can play first base and DH and they have like not enough. They don't have enough space yeah. for having multiple one B DH guys on their rosters. Let's talk. Fran about Mill looks gone too. And well, speaking of guys like that, or he at least got, the- he's been designated to triple a. So yeah. he got DFA and then has been signed down in triple is down. He cleared waivers and is down in triple a. So still in the system, but not, on the four that I see not even on the 40 man roster right now. Actually, he might still be on the 40 man roster, but the bullet at the end of the Sahada Mooney piece is remember all the talk about the Cubs great 40 man roster crunch of 2022. It's now down at 36 following a series of moves in which Fran Mill Reyes, David Bodie, Alec Mills, Brad Wick. That's a name I haven't thought about for a while. Stephen Brault, Narciso Crook and Anderson Espinosa were all outrighted to AAA Iowa after clearing me. So I think some of those guys are still on the 40 man, but they're all down in Iowa and the Cubs have not lost them in their system. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Um, um, I do let's not talk about catcher for a second though, because one of the things that appears abundantly clear after the fall league is that Miguel Amaya is not going to be ready. He hurt himself again. He stopped taking it. I don't even know if he had any at bats in the fall league. If he did, he had very few before he was done. Um, the Cubs don't have another catcher in the system. Right now you're looking at Jan Gomes and PJ Higgins as your backstop opening day solution. And I just don't think that's a solution at all. So the Cubs probably need to get in on this catcher free agent market. And if they're not interested in Wilson Contreras, then I think that the guy that they have to be interested in is Christian Vasquez. Yeah, that would, I mean, if you're going to go for a good player, yeah, <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> 
and um, you, you're still, I mean, you're going to get a, you're not going to get the power that no. Wilson had from that side of the plate. Slightly uh, better batting average, worse on base percentage. Yeah. Um, so what it's just, it's, it doesn't, I, I'd still rather have Wilson back. Like you still have to, you and me both, Danny, you and me both. Um, he, he's, it seems to be uh, all the word on him and he's, that he's a, a good defensive catcher where Wilson has gotten knocked around as being any good for years. I guess Vasquez is slightly better. I don't know. I either way, he's got to learn the staff and he's 32 years old. So, I mean, I, I don't, how am I supposed to be feel about this? <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm literally doing the shrug emoji like on our little video here. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, other fall league injuries to talk about and non-fall league injuries to talk about as the case may be. There was a piece out last week talking about how Brennan Davis basically has been playing through injury this entire time, even after he came back from the back surgery that was causing the nerve issues or whatever. Um, he was still having some issues. I think he took about 20, 21 uh, at bats in the fall league before they shut him down, which at least to me says he's not going to be ready to be playing with the team again in spring training. So he's not one of your potential outfield solutions, which means that, you know, a Kiermaier or something in center field has to be on the wish list there because Pete Crow Armstrong isn't going to be ready for a year or two. He's just not that close to the major league level. So your, your center field options are like keep Christopher Morrell there, even though he's probably better as an infielder or, you know, get yourself, get yourself a free agent or pray that Brennan Davis's back is okay. And I just think the latter is, is a fool's hope. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all disconcerting um, because, well, and it's also kind of how I always felt about it is that as much as you hope all these prospects um, come up and pan out, it's a long road to the show and we are physical beings and they're athletes and it's, it's difficult to, uh, it's not a straight line. Very few guys don't have uh, bumps in the road. And this has been a pretty big bump, especially for like Amaya. Um, Cause he just keeps getting hurt. Um, Brendan Davis is a different back injury. I mean, backs, I mean, my back's hurt since I was 14. Yeah, Never like got 23, better. <laughs> man. There's a big difference between you and Brendan Davis. at the But moment. I was hurt. Yeah. He's an athlete, but I got hurt when I was 14, my back started hurting. Cause I was messing around with weights and I still have that injury. Like that's when I got sciatica and it never went away. You know, like that's what I'm saying. And I have, and so I don't know what's wrong with his back and they don't know what's wrong with his back. Cause there was one thing wrong with his back. Now there's another thing what's wrong with his back. So this is just, you need your back to swing and, and well, to pretty much do everything in your life too. You need your back. And so that's disconcerting. Um, yeah, I. So that's what I'm wondering. Like, because they were ready to hand, they would have loved to have just handed Brendan Davis the job by this point in center field and not be looking for Kiermaier. So, Absolutely. but now you have to, and so I don't know what how much they're willing to do that if some of their guys, some of this these prospects that are sparse, supposed to start coming up and contributing. Like, is that going to make them tighten their purse strings or it's, are they going to be like the Dodgers be like, all right, now we're forced to spend money. Our prospects are hurt. 
So we're getting the top catcher. We're getting the which is Wilson, uh, and we're get and we're getting the uh, Nemo, and we're you know because Davis is hurt. We don't know what's going on with that, so we're just going to spend, spend, spend our way out of it. But that doesn't seem like what the Cubs I know. <laughs> That's not what they're going to do. Um, it's just what they should do. Well, and I mean. You were talking about how prospects get injured or whatever, and I want to I want to talk about this for a little bit. Our friend Michael Cerami had a tweet about how how devastating it was that like Davis is injured and Amaya is injured and the Canario injury in particular looks really bad. He was playing a game down in Mexico, right, if I recall correctly, and um, stepped on the bag wrong, blew his ankle out, landed on his shoulder weird, has to have like multiple surgeries there, and you know Canario was somebody that was having a nice uh, year in the minors last year and probably could have been a a piece that the Cubs could have traded for something else. And now he's got a long rehab ahead of him. I just, I have to go back to the fact that we have been talking on this show since the Darvish trade about how prospects are not promises. They are human beings who have to take an entire route through multiple levels of fall league and instructional league and high a and triple a and double a and they they have to go so many places to improve and work on their game and even after all of that they come up and they struggle because the breaking stuff that the pitchers are throwing is so much harder than anything they've seen even at triple a the fastball at the top of the zone is really hard to catch up to like look it is a long route from being drafted or being signed as an international free agent to getting to the major leagues. And the fact that the Cubs have a farm system again, that is kind of interesting because there are lots of guys who could theoretically play at the major league level. One does not mean that farm system is as good as it was in 2014 or 2015. The Cubs had much better ranked prospects in 2014 or 2015. And two, there's no guarantee any of these guys ever plays a significant amount of major league baseball because they get hurt because they are human beings. And that is what happens when you play sports. Yeah. So, and it's nothing that we all want. It's very disappointing. And so, uh, I mean, it's just a bit of a black cloud. There's nothing we can do about it. We hope these guys can recover, um, that the surgeries will be successful, that they'll be able, they'll have the strength to get themselves back onto the field. That's hard work to do all that rehab work after, a surgery as well, but you know, they're so that's mental, uh, fortitude and, uh, and physical fortitude and, um, will their bodies I mean, remember Jorge Soler, like he ended up hitting all those home runs for Kansas city, but that man could not stay on the field. He just ate so much promise. He could have, I mean, if he could have hit 40 home runs every single year, he's a hall of famer, you know, but he can't because he couldn't stay out out there. Um, well, now he's a platoon bat. Exactly. Exactly. Because you just don't have the, you know, the physical acumen to do it. I don't know if acumen is the right word to use there, but. I think that's right. But like, we'll go I'm, with looking, it. At the, I'm looking at the Fangraphs board of top prospects right now, and they very handily include like an ETA. Like, when do you think this person's going to be re- ready to play at the major league level? And I just want to, I want to temper people's expectations about 2023 for one second, because I'm going to go down the top 10 prospects and their estimated arrival. Danny, are you ready? Yeah. 
Pete Crow Armstrong currently at high A estimated arrival 2025. Brennan Davis currently at triple A estimated arrival 2024. Kevin Alcantara currently at low A estimated arrival 2024. Christian Hernandez currently in the instructional league estimated arrival 2025. James Triantos currently in low A estimated arrival 2026. Owen Casey currently at high A estimated arrival 2025. Cade Horton Currently doesn't have a designation. He hasn't played any instructional league yet. Estimated arrival 2026. Caleb Killian has already arrived. Played in 2022. Jordan Wicks at double A. Estimated arrival 2024. DJ Hertz at double A. Estimated arrival 2024. Miguel Amaya at double A. Estimated arrival well, and 2023. And I would be stunned if Miguel Amaya plays a sink like plays a month of meaningful baseball for the Cubs in 2023. I mean, I, he may just if he can get back out there, but he really needs to work. It would be the end of the season because he broke his foot and now he needs those reps. He it really never got him between 2020 and all the injuries that he's faced. He's never gotten the reps. And I, and I know that's something that the front office has said that they believed in Theo more than Jed, but Jed was part of all that too. So yeah, it's going to be, and even when they come up, now they have to perform and they all have talent um, and they also have to learn to be on a big league team. But you could see a situation where they could overperform when they're all a bunch of rookies in 24 or 25 and they end up like Cleveland was this year going out there with super young team overperforming, then getting over their skis and then running into a buzzsaw eventually. But the uh, but that's a best case scenario. That's the best case scenario that you end up like Cleveland. And then Cleveland sat home. I think that what we deserved, is, uh, they didn't sit home. They went out there and then they went home. But the uh, we deserve better than that. Like like you said, get one of these shortstops, bring us Trey Turner, be in on Nimmo, be in on all of it. And if you don't get them, make it not because you didn't try for it. It's the need for the team. You know it improved things. Um, you sign them for uh, – Give give them the years too. You can give Correa those years. They can. can they just won't. Like I and I'm, I'm so frustrated because it's like you don't have a farm system that is coming up in 2023 at the moment. That's not what this is. And I, I and I'm so sick of it. Oh yeah, like some so and so's just around the corner, just around the corner. The Cubs need to add like 15 wins above replacement somehow via prospects or via free agents just on the position side this year. And they probably also need at least one starting pitcher, maybe two, even with all of those guys at the back of their rotation who can just kind of cycle in and like, you know, like I like Javier Assad. I'm curious to see what he can do with a full season. And I still think he's probably like a number five starter. You don't want Javier Assad to be your third best starter. You want Javier Assad to be like your sixth best starter. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, I, and the thing I like about uh, the idea of Trey Turner and he'd be my pick too, um, is because he's super fast. Like he led the, the national league in stolen bases a couple times, which um, I know, no, it's not a big part of the game, but with the bigger bases and with, uh, I mean, what else do they got for the runners? Oh, oh you can't uh, throw over anymore. Uh, you can, but there's like limits. And yeah, stuff. Well, that's, you, that's why it would have been so nice to have a catcher behind the plate who loves back. Who could backpick? Yeah, yeah. But you take Trey Turner, and even though he's 30, and we all know you don't get faster as you get older. Um, even though he's 30 years old, he is super fast. So if you get a little less fast. 
that's not so bad as opposed to a guy who's medium fast and then he gets slower. Like if, if a medium fast guy gets slower as he gets older, then you end up with Rizzo, you know, (laughs) but if a really fast guy gets slower as he gets older, you end up with a medium fast guy. So you're still, you're, you still have that great speed, you know? So I'm, I'm thinking that we, that I'm kind of agree that I don't think it's a very successful off season. If you don't get specifically Trey Turner. (laughs) Right. It's like, I, I'm just like, oh, yay, Dansby Swanson. Although I don't think you're going to get Dansby Swanson either. How old is Dansby Swanson? 28, something like that. That is a dude who wants a lot of years. He wants a guarantee that he is going to have a major league job for six or seven years, right? Like, that's what Xander wants. That's what Correa wants. That's what all of these guys want. And so the fact that the Cubs are like, we want to give you three years, but like 30 million. I don't know, man. Like, I just, I feel like this is a lost cause. Yeah. And and they... It's doubtful. I mean, then you end up being a 32-year-old shortstop looking for a contract, and all you're going to find is another 2-3. So you'd rather just, like, pound that out, get get it front-loaded. And, uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Why can't – I know that they have to do an AAV thing on it, but if they want – if it's about them getting the money, you know, and it's not, it's – because they have plenty of room underneath the uh the Oh yeah, they got pack. a ton of room. The Cubs were like the 13th payroll in baseball last year. They spent 166 million dollars. Like it's just not they have a ton of room. They have like almost 100 million dollars before they're going to hit the cap. So they're so fine. So even if you did want to like, you know, make him really rich up front by giving him 30 million bucks in one year um or more and then like, you know, backload it so that you're not paying at the end. But even though it's AAV'd in, I mean, I don't know what kind of fancy stuff you could do to make it happen, but you should be bending over backwards to get one of these guys. You just should because Nico Horner is a good shortstop, but he's, he's not, you get somebody like Trey Turner and put Horner over at second base. Oh my God. Now you've got yourself an up the middle situation that can handle that shift. And yeah. um, well, if the Cubs decide that they want to be an actual team in contention in one of the weakest divisions in baseball, you know, you will hear about it here first. And Danny and I will be following all of the hot stove action as the uh, season unfolds. I, I should say that um, Danny's going to be, you know, dealing with getting married and like celebrating and stuff for a couple of weeks. So we're going to, uh, I'll have some guests on, in the coming weeks to cover some, maybe we'll look at some other teams. Maybe we'll look at some other situations. Y'all let me know who you want to have as guests on the show and I'll see what I can do. Um, but Danny, in the meantime, where can people find you celebrating and hanging out and partying down in Mexico? Yeah. Well, uh, well don't come find me cause I don't want to hang out with you. Uh, if I don't know you, um, but, uh, Puerto Vallarta, I will be in Puerto Vallarta, but you can find me at, uh, at, on Sun Ranto there. I'll hang out with you because you won't be in my face unless you want to buy me a beer. Which I will happily take. Yeah, you should definitely buy Danny a celebratory beer. You only get married, what, twice, three times, four times in this, in this life? <laughs> I'm hoping twice. I'm hoping this is my this is my death to us part. Awesome. Well, Nicole is wonderful. I'm very happy for both of you. Uh, you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah on Twitter, as long as Twitter still exists. That It seems like it could collapse any day now, but I am also uh, <laughs> repping the BCB underscore Sarah handle at Mastodon and at uh, co-host and at, I don't know, TikTok and Instagram or whatever. In TikTok's case, in, fun. In I'm case enjoying Twitter that. Dies. You know, I need to, I, I have not TikToked yet, 
Uh, but I, I'm going to get my TikTok game going this off season. That's not, that's one of the things that I'm going to, I'm going to do. So we'll see how that goes. Um, in the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode. Let us know who you want to have on as guests for the next month and change while uh, Danny is celebrating his wedding and whatnot and have a safe and happy holidays to everyone till next time.